John 3.16, I believe, is the greatest verse in all the Bible. I heard a preacher say years ago, there's enough, enough good news in John 3.16 to save the whole world. And that's true. As Jesus spoke these words to a Jewish rabbi named Nicodemus, he told him how to be saved. He told him how to have forgiveness of sin and how to go to heaven. I've entitled this sermon, I Like Country Music. If that is uh, new to you, well, I do. I don't like a lot of it because some of it's not very moral, but the, the good old stuff that I like is a song like the title that I've put on this, Christmas Time's A Coming. If y'all don't know what that means, I'll be glad to cipher that for you a little bit later, all right? But Christmas time is almost here. What time is Christmas time? What is it that we're supposed to do at Christmas time? Well, John 3, 16 tells us. Look at the words in this famous verse. For God, let's just read it together off the screen. Would you read it with me, please? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Four things. What time is Christmas time? Christmas time is a time, first of all, for loving. For loving. How many of you think that our world needs a little bit more love? Amen? <laughs> Absolutely. And the Bible says Christmas time is a time for loving. For God so loved the world. And of course, that word love there is a Greek word that we're familiar with. It comes from agape, that would be the noun, but agapao is the verb. And it means to love with God's sacrificial, saving, selfless love. That agape love that sent Jesus to this earth to save us from our sins. God's agape love. First of all, it enables us to be loved by God. You never would have been able to be loved by God if it were not for the love of God for you. He had to pave the way. His love is perfect. He is perfect, and He is sinless. You and I are imperfect, and we are sinners. Yet His agape love reaches out to us in grace and mercy in spite of our sin. John, who lived longer than any of the other apostles, said this in 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God. No, we didn't start this relationship but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' virgin birth, Jesus' vicarious death, and Jesus' victorious resurrection show us that God loves everyone. If, if I could just summarize this sermon, here it is. Some of you need to hear this today. God loves you. God 
loves you. He loves you today. And his agape love enables him to love us. We're loved by God. But also, his agape love enables us to love him. We have to have help to love him. Because he loves us, we can love him. That's why when Jesus one day was asked, and if you come to the seeing Christmas tree, you'll see them ask the one who is portraying Jesus this question, you know, what's the greatest commandment of all? Do you remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 and following? He said one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, recognizing that Jesus had answered them well. He asked Jesus, what commandment is the foremost or the greatest of all? And Jesus answered, he's quoting out of Deuteronomy. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's how you love God. You love Him through Jesus Christ. And we can only love God through the agape love that He gives us in John 3.16. Jesus' agape love will help you love God the Father and be saved and know Him. But then that's not all there is to it. We're loved by God, and we can love God because of God's love. But then we can love other people. His agape love causes us to love other people. And I want to tell you, people are harder to love than God. <laughs> you can amen that if you'd like to. It's okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> Some people are just kind of hard to love. You have to double up on them, don't you? And just really bear down and say, I'm going to love you. Even if I don't like you, I'm going to love you. Amen. Once we know that God, that we're loved by God and that we love God in return, it's easier to love people that God created. Jesus said, that's how people will know that we're Christians. Not if we just talk about it. He said uh, in John 13, the night before he died, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we don't love other Christians, then we're bearing witness that we're not a Christian. If we love other Christians, even the ones that don't always do us right. If we love other people, but especially if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, what a testimony it is that we belong to Jesus who loves everybody. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another. Let's say those words together. Say it with me right now. Beloved, let us love one another. You'll, you'll do yourself good to just go study all the one another's in the Bible. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, for God so loved the world, God loves us. And because He loves us, we can love God. And because He loves us and we love God, we can love other people. Wouldn't it be better if we'd stop all the shouting and all the condemning and all the division, and just start loving God and loving other people. Wouldn't that be a better world? Don't you think we can try to do that ourselves instead of being 
so negative. Christmas time is a time for loving. Also, Christmas time is a time for giving. Time for giving. You said, no, Brother Steve, it's a time for getting. No, it's a time for giving. Time for giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his one-of-a-kind son. There's nobody like Jesus. He is the only begotten son of God. There is no other Messiah. Muhammad is not the Messiah. Confucius is not the Messiah. No, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. And God gave him to us. You're talking about a Christmas gift. God gave us the greatest gift of all. Think about what God gave. He gave us his best. He gave us the very Son of God. There's no greater gift than Jesus. He is the eternal Son of God. He has never not existed. (laughs) Two negatives make a positive, by the way. He has always existed. He is the eternal Son of God. He's the virgin-born Son of God. No sin in Him. When He came to this earth, He's the sinless Son of God, tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. He is the humble, serving Son of God. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. He is the atoning, sacrificial Son of God. He was on the cross until He cried out to Telestai, it is finished, paid in full. And then He rose from the dead. He's the living and resurrected Son of God. And He is the exalted ascended Son of God. If we could see Jesus right now, we would stand up and worship Him and then fall on our face and cry out, holy, holy, holy. He is the faithful interceding God. Does it ever bless you that Jesus is praying for you? You're going to make it. Did you know that? He's praying for you right now. He's calling out your name right now, simultaneously with all of His other Christians, he's crying out for you on your behalf. Christ is praying for you right now. And he is the heaven-preparing son of God. You think you've got a nice house? Huh. You just wait what, to see what God's got for you in heaven. Man, you're going to go in there and say, I've always wanted one of those. Christ is also our soon coming Son of God. I'm ready for Him to come, amen? Amen. But before He does, I want Him to save a lot of people, and He's the saving Son of God. There's nobody like that. Buddha's not like that. Allah's not like that. Confucius is not like that. None of all the multiple thousands of gods that the Hindus worship, nothing like that. There's only one true only begotten Son of God, and that is Jesus. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave us his best when he gave us Jesus. 1 John 4, 14, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now listen, if God gives us his best, shouldn't we give God our best? Yes. 
Because of that first Christmas, you should give God your best. Don't give God leftovers. Don't you just get excited when you go in, you say, what's for dinner? Leftovers. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> well, God doesn't want your leftovers either. What about your time? Do you give God your spare time or your choice time? Do you go to bed on time so you can get up on time so you can spend time with the Lord? Do you spend time with the Lord in prayer? Or do you spend time on your telephone or on your computer, all this stuff, all these distractions? I'm not saying you should never get on your telephone. I'm not saying that I don't ever get on mine, but I want to tell you something. I don't want to look at my telephone before I read my Bible. I don't want to check emails before I check in with God. And I don't want to talk to somebody else before I talk with God. I'm not trying to say I have it all together. But I got sense enough to know that God deserves my first. And it's not just with your time. It's with your finances too. I know a lot of people that get their check and just start paying all their bills and doing all their stuff. Wait a minute. Who caused you to breathe so you can be able to work so you can get that paycheck? Who kept your blood flowing? Who gave you his air to breathe? Who created your lungs to breathe the air that he created? Don't you owe God the best of your finances? You say, well, you're just a preacher talking about money. No, I'm a Christian talking about the Bible. Amen. There's a difference. And if, you know what? You don't, you don't need to give God pocket change and spare time. Great Christians... Great churches are not built on pocket change and spare time. We need to seek first the kingdom of God with our time, with our talents, with our treasure. You pay that 10% and then you pay your bills. And I'm going to tell you what you'll find out. God can stretch your paycheck way more than you can. Amen. Amen. He's smarter than you. Hello. And he will bless you if you'll do it his way. David was told to offer to God. And he was told to build a temple, which is where the temple of Jerusalem would be built on Mount Moriah. And he was told to, to buy a piece of land. So he went to the owner, Aruna. And he said, I, I want to buy your land. Well, when Aruna found out what it was for, he said, no, I'll give it to you. And David said, I will not take it. I'm going to pay for it. And he said these famous words in 2 Samuel 24, 24, the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on buying it for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. A lot of Christians, their faith costs them nothing. Nothing financially, nothing time-wise, nothing with labor. They just rock along and enjoy God's blessings, and they never give anything back, especially their best. Jesus gave his best for you. 
Won't you give your best for him? And really what that means is you put yourself in the offering. Amen? I heard years ago from a missionary when he said we were in Africa. I forgot what part it was, but he said we came to a very poor village and hardly any of them had anything. And they always passed the plate at the offering time, even though hardly any of them had very much at all. And uh, one man had nothing. He barely had enough clothes to come to church. And so when they passed the plate down his row, he put the plate down on the ground and stepped into it. What he was saying is, I give the Lord myself. That's what Paul said, is it not? In Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. Say that with me. Offer your bodies. Now watch. As a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Give God your best. It's Christmas time. And then give others your best. God gave his best to us, Jesus. We give our best to him, our time, our treasure, our talents. And then let's give our best to the world. Other people, husbands, give your best to your wife. Give your best, wives, give your best to your husband. Parents, give your best to your children. Deacons, give your best service to your church. Pastors, give your best service in preaching and teaching and leading to the church, to the congregation. Bellevue, let's give our best service to the people of Memphis that don't know Christ so that we can love people to Jesus. Let's give them our best. Don't give hurting people leftover energy, leftover service. No, give them your best. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Jesus himself said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God gave us his best in Christ. We're to give God our best and other people our best. Stop thinking about getting at Christmas time and start thinking about giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Christmas time is a time for giving. Thirdly, Christmas time is a time for believing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. Aren't you glad you're a whosoever? <laughs> Amen. In order to be saved, you have to believe for salvation. You have to believe for salvation. You can't get saved if you don't believe. You have to believe in the right thing, too. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. What's the first thing Jesus said when he started preaching? Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. After John, that's John the Baptist, had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You've got to repent. You've got to believe in Christ. Do you remember when Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi and God 
as they were singing at midnight, worshiping God, God miraculously set them free. And the jailer thought they had left the prison, that he was about to be put to death. And they said, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And he ran and he fell at their feet and let them out of jail. And the Bible says this in Acts 16, 30 and 31, after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Obviously, when they were singing, they were singing about salvation and about Christ. What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household, your home, all the people in your house can be saved if you'll believe in Christ. You've got to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you ever believed savingly in Jesus Christ? God loves you. He knows you. He loves you. He doesn't love your sin, but he loves you. But you are a sinner. You don't hear that anymore, but you are. I am. We all are. Every person, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the penalty for sin is death. Separation from God in this life. If you don't know the Lord, you don't, you don't have a closeness to God. You're separated from God. Why? Because of your sin. You've disobeyed God. And there's a penalty for that. And if you die in that state, you don't just go off into oblivion. You die and you go to hell, Jesus said. You perish eternally in hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. So he's provided the way for salvation. There's only one way, and that's through Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, free from a sinful nature, lived in a, a, a world full of sin but never sinned, went to the cross, died in your place as an atoning sacrifice, stayed on the cross until he cried out, it is finished, paid in full. And then the Bible says they buried him, but he rose from the dead. And now he offers you eternal life. If you'll repent of your sin, turn from your sin and turn to Christ and believe that Jesus died for you and that he rose from the dead to give you eternal life. If you'll receive him into your life, as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Would you believe in Christ today? Would you receive him right now? Let's don't even wait to the end of the sermon. Would you pray to receive Christ right now? Let's bow just a moment. If you want Christ, let me lead you in a prayer just like I would lead a young couple in their wedding vows. Say something like this and say it to the Lord with all of the meaning of your soul. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. You are the only Savior. Oh, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Forgive me for my sin. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I receive you. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. I call upon your name. Amen and amen. Let's thank the Lord for anyone that just gave their heart to Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, Christmas time is a time to believe, to believe for salvation.
But it's also a time for us Christians to believe after salvation. Did you know that we're supposed to walk by faith? We're not just saved by grace through faith. We're to walk by faith after we get saved. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you want to please God? You're going to have to walk in faith. You say, I don't like that. I didn't make the rules. I didn't write the menu. I'm just a little waiter bringing it to you. All right. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. If you will seek God, he will reward you. But you've got to seek him by faith. You say, what are some of the things, Brother Steve, that we ought to believe Christ for after we get saved? Well, four things that I pray for a lot, a lot of people, and one is assurance of salvation. You know, I, I talk to people a lot of times and, and they say, I just don't know if I'm saved. I, I, I want to make sure that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm saved. Well, I understand that. I mean, we all ought to want that. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, for I know. He didn't say, I hope. He said, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. I'm convinced that he is able He is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. It's not what I do to stay saved. It's not that I hold on to God. No, he is able. He is able to hold on to me. I've told you many times how we would cross. And I always think of this as Christmas time because Dyersburg would just light up downtown. Everything back when I was a kid was downtown and we would go shopping. And my mother would always walk with me across the street and she'd grab my whole left side of myself, all right? I mean, she didn't just grab my hand. She wrapped around the whole side of me and she just grabbed me and she said, The reason I'm doing this is because when we get out in the middle of the street, I know you, Steve, you'll let go. But I got news for you. I ain't letting go. I'm bringing you across that street. Aren't you glad when you got saved that the sovereign hand of God grabbed hold of you and you will not ever be able to let go and he will not let go of you? Praise God. Amen. That will get a Baptist happy. Amen. I graded at seminary, I graded all the test papers for Dr. Roy Fish for about seven years. I had him preach in every church I've ever pastored. He's preached here since I've been your pastor. He was the greatest professor of evangelism in Southern Baptist history. He taught more people evangelism than anybody else in the Southern Baptist Convention history. He was the interim of all the big churches, almost all of them, First Baptist, Dallas, all these others. He was never the interim here, but he was, and wherever they'd go, they said, would you be our pastor? And he said, no, I'm called to be a seminary professor, made a very modest salary. And when he died, he asked his son, he said, I want you to preach my sermon, but I want Steve Gaines to help you. And I can remember his body the night before at the viewing, He told Steve, his son, who's a pastor, he said, Steve, when I die, Steve Fish, when I die, open the Bible to 1 John 5, 13 and put my index finger on it so that when everybody comes by, they'll be able to let, I get to witness one more time. Read it with me off the screen, would you? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may what? Know that you have eternal life. 
How many of you know, have a no-so salvation? Amen. You know that you know that Christ is your Savior. Oh, you ought to pray and just believe for assurance, believe for provision. I pray this all the time for people and for myself. Romans 8, 32, one of my favorite verses to pray about provision. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's Jesus. How will he not also with Jesus freely give us all things? If God gave you his son, don't you think God can give you a roof over your head? Don't you think God can give you a bed in which to sleep? Don't you think God can put some food in your stomach? And don't you think God can put some clothes on your back? Oh, God's a good provider. He doesn't provide all your greed, but he does provide all your need. Pray for that. Believe him for that. Believe for protection. Boy, we need protection nowadays, don't we? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. I pray this these two verses for my family. I prayed them early this morning. I pray for our church. I, I pray this for a lot of people. Psalm 91, 10, and 11. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling, your tent. He will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. A lot of times I'll walk out, I'll, I'll leave the house, and I'll say, baby, set the, set the alarm and lock the door. I know you're surrounded by angels, but shut the door. I got news for you. Angels are better than a locked door. Amen. Oh, we need to pray for protection, especially nowadays. And then we need to pray for direction. We need to know, God, what do you want me to do? I prayed with somebody this week about what job should I take? And I said, pray this verse, Psalm 32, verse 8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you or guide you with my eye upon you. Aren't you glad that God will show us what to do? Well, you become a Christian by believing savingly in Jesus. And once you've gotten saved, you need to continue to believe Jesus for all things. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. One more thing. Christmas is a time for living. Some people are breathing, but they're not living. They're not really experiencing everything that God wants them to experience. They're just getting by. I don't want to get by. I want to live an abundant life before I die. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life includes two kinds of lives, two, two aspects of life. First of all, God gives us abundant life. Life, as Dr. Fish used to say, with a plus. Life with a little extra. My wife makes me coffee in the morning and she whips up something or other in this little gadget that whines like a baby. I don't know, what, what's that called, sweetheart? A milk frother. Okay. Okay, all right. Well, it just like that. But I tell you one thing, it is good. She puts a little extra on my coffee. I mean, she wouldn't do that for you probably, but she does it for me. All right? At least that's what I like to think. She might give you a biscuit with yours. I don't know. But it's a little extra. God wants you to have life with a plus. 
God wants to give you abundance. John 10, 10, the thief comes only, Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. But don't get me mixed up with him. No, I came that you might have life and have it said out loud, abundantly, abundantly. A better life. I got news for you. If you know Jesus, you're living a better life than lost people. It doesn't matter what your address is. It doesn't matter what your paycheck says. It doesn't matter what you're a part of and what you're not a part of. If you're a part of Jesus and somebody else is not, they may have more money than you, but they don't have more peace than you do. They don't have any forgiveness and you've got forgiveness and you've got all these blessings. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the church, the family of God. You're way better off than somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Oh, abundance, man. Wow. I'll go out some night and I look up in the sky and I say, my father made that. Oh, God's good. I want to say this. If there were no heaven or hell, I'd rather be a Christian in this world, even if there was no eternity. It's better to live the Christian life even if there's no heaven afterward. Now, there is a heaven afterward, but even if there were no heaven, it's better to live the Christian life. Are you walking an abundant life? Are you overcoming sin? Are you hearing the voice of God when you read the Bible? Is God hearing your voice? Faithfully cry out to Him in prayer for your family and for your church and for your city. Are you sharing the gospel faithfully with lost people? Are you ministering to other people, serving them? Are you giving to other people? Are you worshiping the Lord with all of your heart? Are you worshiping Him and singing praise Him? Are you living the abundant, Spirit-filled life? It doesn't mean you don't ever have problems, but it means that even when you have problems, you give those problems to God and you move on. You're going forward. You're not moving backward. You're going ahead. Are you living that abundant, victorious life on earth? But then, one of these days, look at me. You're going to die. And nobody can prepare you for that except Jesus. Nobody. Nobody. Eternal life is also life forevermore. God gives everlasting life. Those who know Jesus as Savior and Lord go to heaven and live there forever. Those who don't go to hell and they live there forever. Gee, look at me. It may shock you what I'm about to say. Some of you may not even believe it. It's true. Nobody talked more about hell than Jesus in the Bible. Nobody. Jesus warned about hell, and he encouraged people to go to heaven. It's all over the, all over the New Testament. He doesn't want us to perish in hell. He said in John 10, 27 through 29, my sheep hear my voice. How many of you are one of his sheep? Anybody out there? Then you hear his voice. He said, I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. Say that with me. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one, he would say in verse 30. 
Oh, Christmas is a time to live, to live abundantly. And when you die, to live everlastingly with the Lord. Christmas time is a time for living. Christmas times are coming. Did you know that? I just think I might sing it right here. Christmas time's coming, Christmas time's coming, Christmas time's coming, and I know I'm going home. Snowflakes are falling, my old home in Dyersburg is calling, tall pines are humming, Christmas time's coming. Can't you hear those bells ringing? Donna saying, would you hush? Ringing, ringing, joy, joy, hear them singing. When it's snowing, I'll be going back to my country home. Holly's in the window, homes where the wind blows, can't walk running, Christmas time's a-coming, white candles burning, my old heart's a-yearning for the folks at home when Christmas time's a-coming. Now, I wrote this next one. God loved you so much that He gave you Jesus. If you will receive Him, He'll wash away your sins. Can't you hear them bells a-ringing, ringing, joy, joy? Hear them singing when it's snowing, I'll be going back to my country home. <laughs> Amen. If y'all don't like that, call Drew. Amen. All right. Let's say it together. Christmas times are coming. Say it with me. Christmas times are coming. It's time to love. It's time to give. It's time to believe. It's time to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say it one more time. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Christmas time. Bless it. Use it in our lives. And Father, we just pray that You would help everybody here today know Jesus as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray.